going to tell you a story, my story, a little bit about kind of where I'm coming through and what I've been through and how I landed where I am today. Today, I'm, I'm, I am an esports player development specialist. And I've used my 25 years in pastoral ministry as that entry point. So I think some of you might find this interesting. At least I hope you do anyways. So let's start right back at the very beginning. I grew up Catholic. And as I grew up in my Catholic faith, I kind of thought that everybody just believed. Everybody just came to church on Sunday. All of the people that we interacted with in our community were there every Sunday morning. And that was my world. I went to Catholic school, became an altar boy, served the church. And in my eyes, by serving the church, I figured I was serving God too. And as I grew into my teen years, I never really became overly rebellious, so to speak. But when I was 16 years old, got into a little bit of trouble, went away for one of these Catholic youth retreats. And I had a, an existential moment with God where I truly felt that God connected with me. I didn't know what it meant. I, I, I thought that maybe I would become a priest and kind of journey down that road. Um, and I hit roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. It just didn't make any sense. And one day I was sitting with, with a spiritual director and he said, listen, I can't see a road for you in the Catholic church. Maybe you should consider the Protestant church. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Frustrated, lonely, lost. I basically applied for college at the last minute to do what my dad does, graphic design and graphical engineering. I, I started in that path and I didn't even know, I really didn't know how to draw until I got there and saw what my classmates could produce. I intellectually understood it, but I couldn't make my hands do it. And I didn't know. I didn't know how or why. But while I was there, I, I started to attend the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, met a bunch of Protestants for the first time. Once they found out that I was Catholic, they were very quick to invite me to church. And, and uh, so I did that. I went to church and, and I hung out. And I met a youth pastor for the first time. And I didn't even know at the time but that's what I would do for the rest of my life. I would work with youth in the emergent culture. Didn't matter what generation it was. It's just whatever's coming down the pipe. I want to be a part of what's happening. I guess maybe because I want to be part of the solution to the future. And the best way to do that is to interact. So here I go. I'm a brand new Protestant Catholic hybrid something. And off to Bible college, I went. I didn't even know that there were this many different ways to think, see, or view God. But here I am. I'm at Bible college, and I'm evolving, and I'm growing. I meet my now wife, just celebrated 25 years marriage this past summer, which was a huge surprise to me that somebody stuck with me this long. But here we are, graduated Bible college, and so begins what I've come to affectionately refer to as my stained glass years. Wow. If I'd known that the struggle I was going to face, I probably never would have gotten in. But here we are, 
opportunity after opportunity, church after church, youth ministry after youth ministry. In total, I, I worked through 13 unique Christian experiences in nine different denominations over 25 years. It's It's been a trip for sure. And I think I choose to look back at it knowing that God was doing something really special in my life, as I'm sure he's doing something special in your life, that there's something dynamic happening all across the earth. And many of us, because it doesn't look like anything else that we've seen or experienced, it doesn't seem real sometimes. I'm here to encourage you that if we can just look at it a little bit differently, maybe a little backwards sometimes, God does have a plan. So here I am, 20 years into the path. I'm not working in direct pastoral ministry. However, I feel like in many ways I am still helping people develop their personal and spiritual process and how they, how they are interacting and interpreting the world around them. This is what I absolutely love to do. I love to get one-on-one with people and just say, hey, have you considered? Hey, have you thought about this? So COVID comes and here I am in the midst of whatever this is. I'm not working. I'm at home playing video games because that's what I've done for the past 20 years as a hobby. And so we really start leaning into what this could look like. Today, we've officially launched Endgame Esports. The idea is, is that we all have a point where we developed, we have developed to a place where we get to experience the content at the end of the game. It's not the finish line, but it's the place we need to get to before real life happens. And so that's why we started this. We wanted to interact with everyone's very, very unique path. There are so many similarities from one person to another, but it doesn't change the uniqueness that each and every one of us have. It doesn't matter, oh, I'm the same this and I'm the same that, but, but they're, we've not lived through each other's lives. So where, where am I today? Today, I am looking to unpack what I refer to as the macro understanding of God's plan in our lives. Macro. It's such a video game context, right? It's such it's so esportsy. Well, that's where the idea came from, in that I think there's a much, much bigger and broader message of the gospel that rather than singling out one group from another, if we could just embrace the idea that God truly and authentically loves all humans, all of humanity, and that it's our diversity that makes us unique. It's our diversity that actually creates unity. It's not our sameness. See, I grew up loving the X-Men comic books. I collected comic books right up until I was an adult and there was a terrible accident in our house and I lost the collection and I just couldn't fathom going back and spending that kind of money again as an adult. 
but my favorite comic book was one of the early X-Men, the new generation X-Men, the Silver Age, where we see Angel for the first time. And I just thought how amazing it would be to have wings and fly above the struggles and the problems that I was having as a young preteen and teenage young man, just to be able to soar above and have a different view, knowing that there was something greater and bigger happening. And I held on to that. I think I've held on to that as a, as a moral imperative of just wanting to see it from a different place, from a different angle. And I mean, that's what the stained glass years have taught me. They've, they've taught me that not only do many people think differently, but we need to think differently. We need to see life from multiple angles in order to truly get an authentic perspective. And I think church, my, my hope and my prayer is that church is always growing and evolving and changing. Even though we've gone through some very, very difficult years, and, and I'm not going to get into theology or, or theological perspectives, but I do think there is, there's a difference when we are working through a church-based mission versus a familial-based mission. And to, to sum that up simply, we think of the car and an engine in the car. For years and years, the church has, has been the car. And the engine has been you, the people that come to church on any given Sunday. And back in the early 2000s and, and, and later on, the, there was a few groups that, that really strongly advocated that, what if the church was not the car, but what if we were the engine? What if we centered on the mission of the family and how can we help the family move further and deeper towards what they've been called to accomplish versus a building or, or a group as, as, a, as a global entity? What if we went small in order to get big? See, I don't think Jesus brought us a list of things to check off. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, still working on that one. I'm good. I'm good. I don't think Jesus did that. He didn't give us a list of do's and don'ts and yes and no's. He tried to impart the heart. That was, that was the whole idea of the promise of the covenants was the heart of God interacting with us, his people. I think that's, that's really when we get down into the nitty gritty, that's what we should be after is the heart. Can we get to that place? In Ephesians chapter four, Paul is writing and he's, He's trying to define what authentic unity is versus tribalism. Because that's what was happening in the early church is we had the, the Jewish and the Judaism versus these groups of, of new Christians that were not Jewish, that didn't succumb to the Jewish laws or traditions. And there was this separation in and amongst the, the groups this is what we have today in most contexts of church. We have tribalism. We have come in, believe what we believe, and you get to be part of the group. And I don't think that's what we were ever called to. Paul challenges the listeners and the readers to, to walk humbly, to not presume 
that we are better than or more than anybody else. But if we could humbly be gentle with patience, we would be able to love each other. And the, these are the core ingredients. This is the path of, of being in a space where we know that God's plan is true and real and authentic. This is unity. So the gospel in reverse, looking at things just a little bit differently, maybe from a bigger perspective. Some of you may find this oddly challenging. Some of you will likely see it very similar to me and, and just want to go and preach it from the mountaintops. That's the idea, is that I think that there's a hidden message in the message. There's a, there's a hidden gospel within the gospel that was specifically placed there, designed to come out at a unique time and a unique place. And what better opportunity than our nerd culture to bring all of the life experiences and the things that we've, we've had, whether it's around the table where the board games are played, where it could be behind the keyboard in a digital experience, or just simply interacting in a way that's engaging in culture from a, from a space that is so fascinating and amazing. So Jesus is quoted as, as having said, as he's challenged what the greatest commandment is by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the tribalisms, all those people that are looking to see their group empowered and they challenge Jesus. So what is the most important thing? And Jesus says that with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, love the Lord your God. And love your neighbor as yourself. This verse has, has challenged me in the last decade. Because I remember that in in Ephesians, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, it's also said that where two or more are gathered, I am in their midst. There's a condition there that two or more must be gathered. And so I come back to Matthew 22 and just the idea, love yourself, love your neighbor. Then there's God. I wonder, I wonder if even as Jesus is saying this, it's backwards. Because he's agreeing with while simultaneously challenging the sex of all the religious leaders and how they operated. So I kind of fell into this snare of seeing it from a broader perspective. And I learned how to love myself. I learned how to look in the mirror even this camera and say to myself, I love you. I love you. And if, if at the end of this time, I want you to say that you love you, you love yourself enough to go roll dice with people, move your mice with people, have a good time. 
Because the measure of how you love others will always reflect how much you love yourself. I'm going to close with John 3.16. But before we go there, let's break down one more passage. This has been a fundamental journey of my development in esports, ministry, pastoral expression. Everything has fallen into this context. And it's the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I think Paul, learning from Jesus himself, learned how to write in some code. So we only see it the way that we see it. I was in 2019, I was preparing for my, my first junior high message and I was trying not to overstudy or make it too complicated. And I'm reading this and I'm praying about it. I'm doing my devotions. And I just get this gnawing feeling in the back of my spirit. You're reading it wrong. You're reading the passage wrong. And I'm like, I don't get it. I really don't. And then it dawned on me. And I slowed it right down. And I realized that in order for love to exist in my life, I must have joy. I can't. I just can't have love without joy. And I'll never have an authentic space where joy overflows my cup until I am at peace with the space God has called me to inhabit. And I certainly can't have peace without patience. I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this, but patience comes when we push aside our expectations, we just let kindness happen. And our kindness comes out of just being good, being ready, being able to flow goodness and the energy and faithfulness, knowing how to stand and be true to you, the you that God created and gentleness. It's a complicated Greek word. I'm not going to lie. We don't have the time or the space to dive too deeply into this, but the idea is being gentle unto the will of God. And so if Psalm 139 strikes a chord, you know that God has counted every hair on your head. Every blessing and misstep in your life, God has been present to it all. And he today, he helped that come into fruition. And if we could be in a space, in an environment where we could fully understand and accept that we are fully made in the image and likeness of God. So how do we get there? Paul says, self-control, which is also defined as self-mastery, and even more specifically, self-understanding. If we're willing to take the time to grow into who we have been de designed to be, we can fully and compassionately 
love ourselves. And when we love ourselves, we will love others with the same overwhelming sense. So let's close with this. John 3.16. And I've had some struggles with some Christians recently regarding this passage. Not, not difficult, just the idea that there could be something off. What if we added a comma? For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son, that we could embrace the idea that for God so loved the world, full stop. That's our macro understanding. That's the idea of, can we get a bigger picture? Can we get a bigger view of the what and the why and the how God is operating in? And when we do that, I think we get to the bigger place. And then we can begin to see that he sent Jesus to show us the way, the truth, and the life that we too could go and be just like him, that we could go and love every single person that we meet as authentically as we love ourselves. So in esports, it sounds like in many ways, none of this would really matter. None of this would fit. But more and more pro athletes that I meet, they don't even understand how to love themselves. They don't know how God knit them together. So me, I'm going to be a secret agent for a couple of years. And I'm super excited about being in hiding. So don't, don't tell anyone. But I'm, I'm here to just help people know that they're loved. Because I love me, which gives me the space to love you. And together, God will shine in our midst. God will be present. And I'm so excited about what's coming. We're going to see something new happen. God bless each and every one of you that's hearing this. I'm praying for you over the course of this conference that God would have his way in your life, in your work, in your relationships, but that God would move in a very special way.